0: So, as we've already been told, security is the topic number six out of eight, uh, so we're rattling along and I hope that you are seeing the connections uh, from week to week, uh, certainly the connection that is Jesus Christ himself, uh, that everything we need uh, is actually found through knowing him uh, and found better in knowing him. We might, we might find, find it partially in other things and in other places, uh, but if we actually want to find it in a... In a whole way, uh, we're going to have to look to Jesus. Security is no different. Our um, our symbol uh, for security is, is a house. Uh, there's a few sayings that we have, um, you know, safe as, safe as houses. Ever heard that one? Uh, bricks and mortar, you yeah, know, that's, that's the place to invest. Solid. Um, uh, yeah, your house is your home. Uh, your home is your castle, you know? Like, it's the place where you can create safety, isn't it? Uh, that's what we're told anyway. Um, it's not a bad symbol, uh, and as we're going to see, hopefully, uh, it actually points us, though, uh, to to another kind of home, another kind of household uh, as we uh, get into the Word. So uh, let's pray together. Now, Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you this morning as uh, people who understand our, you know, our vulnerability, that... Uh, We uh, live in uncertain times and in an uncertain world Uh, and there's all sorts of things that happen around us uh, that are beyond our control and that create uh, a very real sense of insecurity and anxiety. Um, And we're not imagining it, Father. Though some things might be amped up, uh, the reality is that uh, life is inherently uncertain. Uh, so we ask that you'd help us uh, find really solid uh, hope and assurance uh, this morning. And we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, as we start, I don't, don't mean to alarm you, uh, especially if you're the anxious type, uh, but life is full of dangers and risks. Every part of life, at different times perhaps, uh, feels like it's under threat. In our growth group during the week, uh, we listed off a whole, whole bunch of different areas of life where we recognised that uh, we struggle to, first of all, gain any sense of security, and then even if we feel like we're getting there, we feel like we have to maintain that security. And so we came up with things like um, our work. Uh, we we <laughs> saw that play out in the kids' talk. You know, work, uh, even if we've got a job, can be uh, insecure. And so in response to that, we do things to try to hold on to it. So we might upskill. We might do some extra study. We might make ourselves, uh, you know, more desirable to our employer or whatever it is. We work hard. We strive uh, at work because we feel this sense of uncertainty about it. Uh, not just work though. Finances, of course, they—they they seem uh, uncertain at the best of times. All sorts of threats. You know, we hear about inflation and the impact that uh, that has on you know, rising prices and all that kind of thing. And all the all the all the news makes us feel uncertain on the financial level. Uh, our, our housing. You know, we, as just said, you know, how, our house is meant to be the safest place, right? And yet, if you're someone with a mortgage, you kind of think, well, how safe is that then? If uh, uh, interest rates are high and inflation is going up and yada, 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 how, how safe is my house really? And, and also, there's just the maintenance of your home, isn't there? That's sort of a constant and ongoing challenge as well, just to try to stop it from falling down around you. The place that's meant to be secure can often feel a, a source of anxiety and, and insecurity. But it's not just stuff either, is it? Because uh, there's all sorts of other realms of life that can make us feel insecure as well. Uh, Our relationships, again, we want them to be safe places, but sometimes we don't feel safe in them or not as safe as we would like to. Uh, Others feel physically vulnerable at times or perhaps all the time. As you can see, I'm a man, but I understand from women uh, that often you feel vulnerable in places that I would never think to feel vulnerable. Uh, and then there's emotional security and insecurity as well, isn't there? Uh, which we hear is on the rise, constantly on the rise. And I don't know how closely that describes your worries. Actually, looking out there, you're sort of all going, mm, 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 so sorry, um, <laughs> But even if perhaps by some kind of miracle your life is immune from all these worries and anxieties and going swimmingly, quite frankly, then one look at any sort of media and you will be convinced that disaster lies just around the corner, won't you? Uh, Whatever it might be, it might come in the form of a scam. Every time you look at the media, there's some new scam that's, uh, that's sucking people in. Um, it might be uh, just hearing during the week about its kind of bushfire season approaching and, you know, there's more fuel on the ground than there has been since it was burnt up and caused such, such catastrophes a few years ago. It's going to be a bad bushfire season. Should be anxious about that. Um, it's hard to tell which is going to cause the downfall of the world first, uh, artificial intelligence or uh, environmental damage. I don't know. It's a competition at the moment. One of them, it's a race uh, we should be anxious about that. During the week, I heard the story that uh, this is a story from New South Wales because it's about shark nets. And apparently, in Queensland, we just leave them up all year, so there's no story. Um, but but in New South Wales, they actually take them down for wild, whale migration uh, season, and then they put them back up at this time of year. Shark nets, interesting. Intre- I, I heard this is what I learned about shark nets during the week. Shark nets are 150 metres long interesting. I didn't know that about shark nets. Uh, how far do you reckon a shark can swim? Like more than 150 metres? Um, apparently they, they hang, like they're not at the top because you don't want to get swimmers and surfers and jet skiers and whatever caught in them. You know, So they hang actually about six metres low in the water and they're about 10 metres deep. Uh, you can see the problem, right? Um, sharks can go around shark nets, they can go over shark nets, they can go under shark nets. How safe are you feeling in the water at the moment? I realise I've just ruined your summer uh, at the beach, but I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. Because you actually want to know the truth, don't you? You want to know, you want to know the truth. Here's, here's a comment I read from a, an expert about it. Trying to govern an ungovernable scenario is a recipe for disaster. Because what does it produce? Actually a false sense of security. Well, we find the shark nets. (coughs) (laughs) Rubbish. Not at all. Uh, And he says, we need to treat the beach like the bush, not like the swimming pool at the Hilton. I thought, oh, that's that's a fair enough point. Good point. Now, given all of this, right, given how dangerous the world is how do we cope how do we manage how are we all not just kind of bubble you know kind of blubbering messes hiding in the corner at least not all the time well funnily enough in one sense we cope quite well we cope quite well we on many measures we're actually safer now than we've ever been do you know that we're we're doing pretty well about, at keeping ourselves safe, we're very ingenious. We've come up with lots of ways to sort of take control of our environment, to minimise risk, to avoid danger, to generally kind of feel more safe. We've devised things like insurance. You know, I'm sure that everybody in the room pretty much has some kind of insurance to safeguard against mishaps. Uh, we've got high design and safety standards. Uh, that mean that things generally work as they're meant to do. We've got uh, home security systems and we've got immunizations that protect us from lots of nasty uh, germs and diseases. And we've got a general prosperity that enables us to live in a way that's kind of protected, sheltered. We're very clever at coping with uh, life's uncertainties. But just like at the beach, are we really safe? Uh, why, why are so many of us still so anxious and increasingly so? And even those of us who do perhaps feel safe, do our feelings reflect reality? See, there are two big problems, I reckon. There's, there's many problems, but two big problems with all our attempts to achieve security in this life. The first of those uh, problems is that even if our efforts work somewhat for a little while, in the end, they all reach their limit. All our efforts to achieve security will reach their limit. That's what all the fine print is about. In the back of our minds, I think, too, we we realise this. We know this, that all our efforts aren't actually making the world a safe place or in the end going to keep us safe in the end we can't win and all you've got to do is project forward a little bit uh, we, we we kind of focus on today and tomorrow and the next day we keep our head down but just look look further ahead and you'll find the reality of things that time time which stops for no man time robs us of everything our wealth our health our looks, our strength, our work, even our family and friends, all are destined to be lost and eventually forgotten. That's reality. We know it, and it's the ultimate source of our worry, like the white noise of our life that we cannot escape, even though we might try to deny it. Now, I don't know about you whether you've got life insurance. I think it comes kind of tied up with your super if you don't sort of say no to it purposely. But honestly, life insurance, really? How does that work? I mean, I get how car insurance works. I have an accident, they fix the car or they reimburse me if it's a write-off. I get how home insurance works. If it burns down, they'll build a new one for me. But how does life insurance work? Are they going to give me my life back if I die? No, there's an empty promise. The best they can do is provide some sort of financial compensation. Does that fill the gap? It's pretty lame insurance, isn't it? That's the first problem. In the end, it all fails. Right? Every effort fails. But the second problem is actually, I think, in a sense even worse. And that is that we're addicted, we're addicted to trying, nevertheless, in spite of all of that, to just spending our lives to try and hold on to and maintain some sense, even if it's diluted, some sense of security. And because of that addiction, what happens is uh, our attempts to feel secure, especially if they're working, make us blind. To the true security that can be found only in one place, to the lasting security that can be found only in one person, and that is in Jesus Christ. Do you see how it works? The more you put your trust in other things, think back to the pictures and the, the choices we were answering at the start of the service, you've got to choose. The more you put your trust in those things and seek your security in those things, you are actually robbing yourself of the trust that should be going and is only deservedly going to Jesus Christ. So how can we avoid that trap? How can we avoid the pull, the draw to try and achieve security uh, in other things in this life? Well, firstly, it comes only through hearing the gospel, the good news, and trusting in Jesus Christ. That's where we've got to keep going back again and again because uh, the world will tell us something different. And Romans 8 is a great place uh, to go to do that, to seek and to find true security. Because there in that passage that we read earlier, Paul is talking about the consequences of the gospel, the blessings of the gospel, and they directly address this this issue of anxiety and insecurity. so have a look, uh, Romans eight, starting at verse twenty eight where Paul says, "And in light of the gospel, we know we are sure that in all things God works for the good of those who love him." And I reckon that's a, a wonderful description of where our confidence should lie. Firstly, because it doesn't gloss over the reality that life is uncertain, that bad things do happen. Notice that it doesn't say um, all things will work out. Notice that it doesn't say uh, God will make all things good for those who love him. It actually says in all things, all things, no matter what's going on, good or bad, God is working for the good of those who love him. So it's not pretending, but it's offering real hope in Jesus. So there's this promise. It's neither a prosperity doctrine, hey, trust in Jesus and your life will turn out grand, uh, nor pie in the sky when you die, just kind of wait, just hold on, endure, it'll get better one day. No, it's confidence in Jesus today that no matter what is going on in your life, God is with you in it and He is for you in it and He is going to bring about His good purpose through it. We were thinking about purpose a couple of weeks ago, weren't we? Well, what is God's purpose? Let's have a look uh, in the next verse, or actually at the end of that verse. Uh, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And here it is, verse 29. For those God foreknew, He also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son. There's God's purpose in all things. There's God, what he's doing. He is conforming those who love him into the image of his son. But that's not it. That's not all of it. So that his son might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is what God's doing in the world. This is his purpose in the world. And you'll notice that... This purpose is not thwarted by any of the things that cause us to feel insecure and anxious, by any of the uncertainties in the world. Nothing can stop God achieving this purpose to grow us to be more like Jesus. Ask the question, is is God less able to make you more like Jesus when you're struggling and suffering than when you're finding it easy? The testimony that I hear again and again and that I've experienced myself is that it's actually when I'm struggling that I'm more likely to look to God and in so doing, putting my trust in him, to grow to be more like Jesus, which makes complete sense given the life of Jesus, right? The life of Jesus was a life of sacrifice, service and suffering. We become more like him, which is our good, uh, when we experience or even through those experiences ourselves. And... And it's not just that we become more like Jesus, but that God, this is his purpose, he is making a family. That Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's, that's what it means to become like Jesus, to share the family likeness of Jesus. We become his brothers and sisters uh, as God works out his purpose no matter what is going on in Our lives. If we think the purpose of our lives and what God ought to be doing in our lives is just to make it free from anxiety and suffering and struggle and whatever, we're on the wrong boat. But if we understand his purpose, ah, then we can accept and even grow through those hard times. And we can have confidence as well that what God intends to do, his purpose, is what he will achieve. God finishes what he starts. Have a look at verse 30. Those he predestined, lots of big words here, but you'll you'll get the idea. Those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The idea is that from before the beginning of time, that's the predestined idea, God chose, God put his hand on you. he, He made you for this purpose to know, to be called to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and so to be justified, that means restored, made right with God, to have your sin dealt with, which was the barrier between you and God, through Jesus' death on the cross, paid, your, your debt was paid, you're restored to relationship with God, and he also glorified. And notice that glorified is in the past tense. It's not, and one day he will glorify. Somehow, in some sense, this is so secure, this whole process is so secure that it's already done. If your trust is in Jesus, that final glorification, right, where you are finally and fully like Jesus and with him, guaranteed. Guaranteed. But And, and using that word, guaranteed, uh, it's important to, uh, to go to verse 32 as well. How can we be sure that what God promises he will do? Have a look at what verse 32 says. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? It's, it's a straightforward logic here. God is saying, I've given you my best. I've, I've put the down payment and it's, well, it's actually 100%. Right? I've given you my best. I'm not going to fall short now. I'm not going to kind of uh, you know, decide I made a mistake with you or something like that. God has already given you his son. And he says, the rest is guaranteed on the basis of the down payment that has already been made. See, uh, the insurance companies can't offer you life insurance. But Jesus can and has. God can and has through Jesus Christ. Not, it's not something to compensate for our life that he's offering. It's actually our true life, our best life that God has in store the guarantee of eternal life in God's renewed creation, which, by the way, will be free from all the uncertainties and all the causes and symptoms that cause anxiety in this world. They'll be gone. And that's what we have to look forward to through the promises given to us in Jesus Christ. Uh, It's a guarantee which is sure because it's backed by the resurrection of Jesus, which is why he talks about how nothing can take it away, nothing can get in the way. You know, he says in verse thirty five, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He actually describes his own life, the things he's endured, shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, is the answer. Verse thirty-seven. In all these things, right, in all these hardships, he says, we are more than conquerors. We're winning. Might not look like it, but we're winning. We're on the winning side if we're with Jesus through him who loved us he's got that great list in verse 38 and 39 I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord all those dimensions mean nothing it's guaranteed God's already achieved it so that's the first thing, right? We need to keep our minds on that good news, that gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to keep looking to him, see what God has achieved for us through him. Now, there's three other things, just in closing, that I want to point you to. though. three other things that I think we can do to help us to do that first thing, to help us keep looking to Jesus and holding fast, putting our trust in him and in him alone. Now, the first of those things is to pray, I don't know where, where, how you go with praying. Over the years, though, I've kind of developed this suspicion that most Christians, at least the ones I meet, don't spend much time praying. Somehow, and I think it's actually related to all this stuff, this world seems so real. God seems so distant. We can't see him. And so it's hard to engage in what is essentially a spiritual practice, talking to somebody we can't see, throwing our words out into apparent thin air. And not just doing that, but but actually knowing and believing that when we do that, they're not going into thin air, but that the Spirit of God takes them to the throne of God and our Heavenly Father hears, receives and answers and addresses the things that we bring to him. Prayer is such a gift when it comes to anxiety and insecurity because when we pray, what we're doing is we are saying, I'm not God. You are God. In other words, we're saying, these things are too big for me, but they're not too big for you, so I'm going to give them to you. We're going to say, I'm going to stop trying to take control and act like I'm in control. I'm going to stop scrabbling around to try to gain security in other ways and I'm going to acknowledge that you are in control. That's what my prayers are about. Philippians 4, which many of you would have looked at in your growth group during the week, says, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We're encouraged to take all that's too much for us and take it to God and trust and entrust it to him. And the promise as we do that is that some kind of miraculous peace that is just a, a, a peace that could only come from God, a peace that is real and deep and that brings security with it, is ours. It's, it's on offer. As we engage with God in prayer and acknowledge who he is, who we are, and how much we need to trust him. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, right? Too much to comprehend, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, will help you to keep trusting him, where your trust is firmly placed and reliable. So that's the first thing. Let, let me urge you, encourage you, in your anxious moments, as Paul does to the philippians to pray the second and third things kind of come together and they're in another passage that we looked at uh, in our growth groups during the week which is matthew 6 Uh, so this is from uh, another kind of famous passage uh, with jesus preaching his sermon on the mount uh, and he says this in verses 19 and 20 so much good stuff in this passage but just going to look at these two verses Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, it's actually where our heart is that causes all the anxiety. If we if we attach ourselves to things that are passing and insecure, we're going to feel insecure. We're going to feel anxious about all those things. But if underlying all those things is an attachment, a heart that is actually given to God, who is firm and reliable and trustworthy at all times and in all things, then we won't be anxious anymore. But in order to do that, in order to put our trust in God, and I kind of already mentioned this, we have to stop putting our trust in God. In other things. And did you notice that it's there in the verse? There's two things in those two verses. The first one in verse 19, stop putting your trust in other things. See it there? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And we all do. So what this is, is a call to repent. Is a call to stop putting our trust and our treasures Uh, storing up treasures on earth, to stop that foolish pattern of behaviour. And instead, there is an alternative. Instead, as we stop doing that, then we will be free to put our trust where it belongs and to store up where things will last, to store up treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And you might be thinking, okay, but... What does that look like? What does it look like to store up treasures in heaven? Where's the bank account details? You know, (laughs) it's not. It's not a bank account. Uh, Let's go back to purpose again. A couple of weeks ago, we thought about what is God doing, and again, in in Romans eight, we saw it. What is God doing? The answer is actually us. We are what God is doing. God is making a family. God is declaring his good news across the world about Jesus Christ. He's explaining through people like us what it means to know Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to find salvation, forgiveness for sin, reconciliation in Jesus Christ so that he might have a family, many brothers and sisters. That is heaven, right? To store up treasures... For yourselves in heaven is to invest in what will last, to make the best investment. It is to invest, as we've already talked about in talking about prayer, in your relationship with God, and to, free of anxiety, to invest in the lives of each other, because that will last. That will last. That work, that investment is worth it. And God has given you all sorts of resources to do it. Everything you have in your life is something that can be used to that end, and if it's not, get rid of it, right? And start storing up for yourselves and for each other treasures in heaven. Just help, just walking alongside each other on the journey, knowing where we're going, certain of our future, and uh, and helping each other along the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this life, this world is an insecure place. And try as we might, we cannot address those insecurities, not in any meaningful way. We might be able to make ourselves feel a little better for a while, but even then we may be doing eternal damage to our souls, to our eternal destiny. So, Father, please disabuse us of the folly of storing up treasures and investing and and scrambling to try and create security and free ourselves from anxiety in a world that is inherently dangerous. Instead, thank you for Jesus Christ who entered that world, this world. He came uh, and addressed our uncertainty He came and revealed that those things which are too much for us are not too much for him. He has the power of heaven at his disposal. And then he laid all that down as he went to death on a cross so that he might secure all that for us. So, Father, help us to see that true security is only, only found in him, that we might trust him and help each other to do the same.